Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is The Art of Neighboring, Part 1, Great Commandment, recorded Sunday, August 8, 2021. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Dave Runyon with today's message. My name is Dave. I'm excited to share a little bit of my story with you. About 10 years ago, I gathered together in a suburb of Denver called Arvada uh, with about 26, 27 different lead pastors in our community. And we were trying to figure out how to mobilize all the people in all of our different churches after one thing in the city. We were just dreaming and praying like, God, what would it look like if we actually went out and acted like we were on the same team? And we were trying to figure out what's the smartest thing we could do? What's the smartest thing we should have all of these different congregations go after? And so we began to invite different city leaders to come in to share with us. So we had the police chief and uh, then we had the city manager. And then about 10 years ago, we're sitting in the room with our mayor and we would just ask him, ask all these leaders, if you could wave a magic wand and, and change something in our community, if you could get us all to go after one thing, what would it be? And our mayor, uh, we told him what we're going to ask him. So that's how you get civic leaders to show up into a room with a bunch of pastors. And so we said, hey, you know, this is what we want to know. And he had this little piece of paper. And he, he just began to read down. He said, you know, I want to live in a city where there's no financial debt, where there's no elderly shut-ins, where there's no single moms living below the poverty line. He had all these great things on this piece of paper. Some of them were weird. He's like, we need a better newspaper. And we're like, this is the wrong room. We can't help you with that. Uh, so anyway, he takes this little piece of paper, folds it up. And then he says, you know, if you guys want to have a really big impact on our city, you should start some kind of a neighboring movement. And he just goes on. He's going to start talking about something. We're like, whoa, whoa, whoa go back to that. Talk more about that. And he said, yeah, you know, what we're learning is that we can start these programs for, we're getting ready, they were getting ready to do a big program for elderly shut-ins. And he goes, we can do that and help them. Or that person who's isolated and doesn't have family around, who's growing older, if they live in an apartment complex or in a neighborhood, if they live in a place where they're known by the people who live around them, they don't need our programs. And then he said this beautiful line. He said, what we're learning at the city is that relationships trump programs. And I, I just remember hearing that and going, oh, my goodness. Uh, and, and he went on to say this. He said, the majority of the issues that our community is facing would be eliminated or drastically reduced if we just become a community of people who are great neighbors. Now, I want you to put yourself in that room with a bunch of pastors, a bunch of people who make a living teaching people how to orient their lives around the, tea, the stuff in this book. Okay. Now, imagine what it feels like when God uses your mayor to tell a bunch of pastors that the smartest thing they can do in their community is the most basic thing that this book says to do. That was not a good moment for us as pastors. We were sitting there going, oh no, he's telling us to do the Bible. He's actually telling us to do the great command, like the most basic thing in the Bible. And he's saying that would change our community. And I remember for me personally, I remember driving home from that meeting I was like a thousand thoughts in my head. One of them was this. I just thought to myself, Jesus is smart. You'd think I'd think that a lot as a pastor, right? But I remember going, what if, what if when Jesus gets asked to boil the entire text down to one thing, when he says, love God with everything you have and love your, what if Jesus has given us a really simple strategic plan that if we as believers did it, it would change the world overnight? 
So that was my first thought. My second thought is I realized I wasn't doing it. Like I'm driving back into my neighborhood. I'm thinking about all the things that I was involved in and the lack of intentionality that I had with my own neighbors. And I was like, I'm, I'm missing it. I'm, that thing that the mayor just said, it would be amazing if Christians did it all across our city. The thing that like it aligns itself with the most basic teaching of the Bible, I realized I wasn't doing it. I, I had filled up my life with a lot of neighboring, you know, loving your neighbor type things, a lot of relationships with people trying at, at my church that were trying to figure out, you know, life with their spouses and life with their kids. I was serving on the board of three different nonprofits. I, I was doing outreach events. I was doing a, like a lot of good stuff. But I had filled my, my world up with so many different things that I didn't have margin to actually be intentional about relationships with the people right around me. And I knew a few of them. But if I was really honest, it wasn't a big part of my life. And so I walked into my house, my wife, Lauren, I told her what happened with the mayor. And she just said, my wife's ahead of me on most things. Some of you guys can relate to that. And, and including neighboring. And she's like, well, what are you going to do about it? And I didn't want to have a lot of accountability. And so I just said, you know, I'm just going to like spend more time in the front yard for a year. I just made that part up at the end. And she's like, oh, cool. And so I just started to be a little bit more visible in my neighborhood. And just to have eyes for what God was doing. And that one little simple act 10 years ago has changed my life in a dramatic way. And I'll share a little bit more about that at the end. I'll tell you what happened with this group of pastors that are sitting in the room first. So we had this moment. We pray for the mayor. He leaves the room. And one of the guys is like, hey, this is, this is super embarrassing, right? That like he had to tell us that. And we were all kind of laugh. And then we went around the room and shared like who was engaged in their own neighborhood. And there was a couple of people that could honestly say that they were really intentional about what was happening there. But, but the rest of us, when we were honest, we, we were just like, no, you know, that's not, my life's too full. It's not something I'm doing well. And so we agreed to pray about what we heard and what happened. And two months later, we came back and we invited this, this woman, Vicki Ryer. She was our assistant city manager. And I invited her into the room because uh, she, she had talked about neighboring a lot in the past. And she came into this meeting with us and she just started to talk about all the practical ways that neighboring makes a difference. How crime rates are significantly lower in neighborhoods where people know the first names of their neighbors. Um, she talked to us and referenced this Malcolm Gladwell book called Outliers and talks about how people live significantly longer when they know and are known by their actual neighbors. And she's just teaching like all this pra really practical stuff. And then she said something in passing at the end that, um, that really catalyzed our, our little group of pastors. One of the pastors asked a question and she wasn't trying to be mean when she said this, she was just sharing. Um, and what she said was this in response. She said, hey listen, just so you know, from the city's perspective, there isn't a noticeable difference in how Christians and non-Christians neighbor in our community. I'll say that again. She said, from the city's perspective, there isn't a noticeable difference in how Christians and non-Christians neighbor in our community. When she said it, it, it felt so awful to hear that that we started to argue with her about her perception. And then we realized, no, she's right. And by the way, I've shared that line in rooms with leaders from over 500 different cities. I've never once had a civic leader come up to me and go, oh, Dave, in my, in my community, the Christians are the best neighbors. It's not even close. And I just started to think about that. Like, how do we reconcile that, that when, 
we boil the entire text down to one thing. It's about love God with everything you have, love your neighbors yourself. But in our communities, we're not differentiated. We're not known as the best neighbors in town. And I started to think about that. You ever like see something on the news that starts to, I'm sure this never happens to anybody here. You see something on the news and you start to get angry, okay? Like I started to get angry. I started to think about this like going, that's not right. And then I started to ask a different question. I started to ask this question. I wonder how you become a pastor who's not engaged in his own neighborhood. When I started to ask that question, I went from being like irritated and angry to reflective and to convicted. And I started to read passages that I had taught multiple sermons on that I had read hundreds of times, and they just started to take on a new light. Uh, and I want to share one of them with you today. It's a passage that you've probably heard before. It's very, or maybe it's likely that you've heard before. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Luke 10. As I've shared my story with others, I've come to realize that many of us, especially those of us that have grown up in and around the church, that many of us have become inoculated to the great commandment. It's one of those things that we hear over and over and over again, but we lose touch with the true meaning of it. Dallas Willard says that familiarity breeds unfamiliarity. And for me, that's what happened. And so I want to ask you to look at this text with fresh eyes as we go through it today. It's found in Luke 10. We'll pick it up in verse 25. It says, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? This happens a couple times in the Gospels. The person comes and asks Jesus the question. He knows there's something bigger going on, and he actually gets the person to answer their own question. And so this person answers, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. Think about how massive that comment. Just, just do this and you will live. But this part, you ever like read something in the Bible and it like comes screaming off the pit? You like see yourself in the story? This next little part is, that's what happened to me. It said this, or it says this. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So this guy comes to Jesus with a very straightforward question. He gives the perfect textbook answer. And the next thing we read about this guy is he's looking for a way to get out of it. He's like, where's the loophole? But he wanted to justify himself. And the, it's so fascinating how he tries to do it. He's like, you know, neighbor, what does that really mean? Jesus, you know, neighbor, he's trying to massage the definition of neighbor so that it can most easily fit into what he's already up to. And I just remember going, oh no. By the way, this is how you become a pastor that isn't really engaged in your own neighborhood is you just have to, you just have to kind of massage the definition of neighbor so that it fits into what you're already up to. And Jesus does something amazing in response to this guy's, um, his attempt to find a loophole. He tells the story of the Good Samaritan. He tells the story of the Good Samaritan and you know, he, the story of the Good Samaritan says that everyone is your neighbor. That's not what it says. The story of the Good Samaritan says, when you care for the person in front of you, no matter who it is, that's an act of loving your neighbor. There's a big difference between everybody's my neighbor and when you care for the person in front of you, no matter where you are, no matter who it is, that's an act of loving your neighbor. See, when everybody's your neighbor, often nobody is. It's really easy to, like I ended up with this metaphoric love for my metaphoric neighbor and metaphorically, I was just killing it. And in real life, there's people who are sleeping 30, 40, 50 feet away from me, and I didn't even know their names. 
What Jesus does in the, in the story of the Good Samaritan, he's assuming that this guy is, is loving the people of his same culture and customs, and so he, he's expanding out the definition. He's doing like AP neighboring for this guy, graduate-level neighboring. And I, I just remember thinking about like where I was. It's like I didn't, I didn't need to start with graduate level. I needed to like go back to elementary school. And what my friends and I learned is that when you draw a circle around the place where you live, where the place where you are, and begin to work out from there, that really powerful things happen as a result. And so our little group of pastors, we just decided, let's, let's go back to kindergarten together on this. And one of the guys there had this neat little exercise that he did. I'm going to do it with you right here in this room because what happened is as a group of pastors, we started to work on this and then we did a, a, ser- a citywide sermon series. And we did this one little thing that I'm going to do with you right here that produced an amazing amount of fruit in our community. So uh, I'm going to have you do a test. You ready for a test? Okay. This little tic-tac-toe board looking thing up here. Um, I want, this is your neighborhood. Okay? And that's not your little neighborhood. Like I, like, I don't care where you are, by the way. If you live in a rural area, if you live in an apartment, multi-unit, if you live in a suburban area, you all have neighbors in this room. And I want you to imagine you walk outside your front door and imagine the eight closest units to you. So it doesn't have to be directly behind you, all this stuff, but just imagine the eight closest units. You got it? And now, and if you want to, you can just do this you know, in writing right now, or you can do this later, or you can just kind of do this in your head. But right now, I want you to think, how many of the adults' names can you list off in those eight closest units to you? How many, like right now, how many could you actually write down? Go ahead and take a minute to, to think about that. When I first did this, I had this horrible realization. I was like, oh no, I've met all these people and I can only write down, like I can write down less than half of their names. And here's why this matters. My friend Jay, uh, who wrote this book with me, The Art of Neighboring, likes to say, you know, I don't, I'm not like an expert on love. I don't write songs. I'm not a philosopher. But I do know this. In order to love someone, it's helpful to know their name. <laughs> and so for me, what happened in my world is that I had this little thing, and you're all going to get one of these as you leave today, a little tic-tac-toe board. And, and ours was on a napkin. My wife put it on a napkin and put it on our fridge and I wrote down the, the first names of like two of the households and a couple others. Um, and my wife could have filled in more of it, um, but she's mean. And so she just left it. <laughs> she's like, no, you're gonna go do this. So I had this little thing sitting on my fridge and I had the thing happen with the mayor and I'm reading through the text in a new way and I just decided I'm gonna do this. And so over the, the next six weeks, I had a series of mildly awkward conversations. By the way, this is, to be a good neighbor, you just have to have the courage to have mildly awkward conversations. Okay, and I remember, I remember this like it was yesterday. I was sitting out there, I was in my front yard, and I looked across the street and over to the left, and, and this guy is mowing his lawn. And I'd met him before, but he's one of the people that like, I didn't know his name. And before I even took a step, I just thought, man, he's mowing his lawn. Like, that's, that's going to be weird. And I just said to myself, you know what, I'm just going to make up something to do in the front yard. And then, and I was like, and then when he's done, then I'll, I'm like, no, that's more weird. And then I actually had this thought. I thought to myself, I'll just go back inside my house. And I bet when I come out and I just, I'm like, oh no, I'm the, I'm finding the loophole. And I remember just, wa- I remember taking the first step and just walking down my driveway and over across and towards him and he's mowing his lawn. 
And he kind of looks at me, <laughs> and he shuts off his lawnmower, and I just said, hey, man, which that was my name for him. <laughs> and I have another neighbor that was bro, and I thought I was doing really good. <laughs> Kept him totally separate. Um, I said, hey, man, this is really embarrassing. I know I've lived next to you for two years, and I know we've met at least two times, but... Um, I forgot your name. And then he said, he said something. I said, I'm Dave. He said something awful. He said, I know. Um, he <laughs> took my hand. He's like, I'm Matt, my wife, Jan. We had a 20-second interaction. And then I went back inside my house, and I did something very, very important. I wrote it down. And after about six weeks, I had this whole thing filled in. And some of my neighbors, they actually don't want to be my friend. Uh, <laughs> You're probably going to have some neighbors like that, too. Like, they are really busy. They've got a lot of important stuff going on, like kids' sports and all kinds of other stuff. And so they, like, they're the people on that video. They're, the garage door goes up. The garage door comes down. I learn their names, and, like, it, that's kind of where it's stalled out. But some of my neighbors are dying for a real relationship. They're dying for something that goes below the surface. And all it took was me kind of leaning towards them. And Matt... All of a sudden, it went from hey, man, to hey, Matt, to hey, Matt, like, did you see the end of that Cornhuskers game? Like, I can't believe we lost again. Uh, or however you guys do it here. Whatever, however you guys, whatever that looks like. I don't, I don't know how you emotionally deal with what you have. Um, but by the way, I live like 20 minutes outside of Boulder, so I, we're not any better. Um, but, it, you know, it went from that to, like, hey, could you help me move this thing in my garage? To, hey, like, you guys, like we're both going to be watching the game. Let's just, can you guys just come over and we'll throw something on the grill and watch it together? To, hey, like, your son's car is out there all the time now. Did, did he move back in? Like, how's that going? <laughs> to sitting across my dining room table, like, cheering about my childhood and my story and hearing about his. This thing that like I had dreamed about when I was doing all this other stuff and all these great ministry things that are actually really good, this thing, it was all sitting right there for the taking. It was right outside my front door. But you have to learn their name. Like you, you have to like actually take small steps in the same direction over a period of time and after a while, and by the way, that's like what I just described to you is like a two-year window. And so this, this real simple act of just saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to learn and retain and use the names of the people that are around me and then just follow the breadcrumbs after that. Take the next small step and the next small step and the next small step. Like it, when, what we fell backwards into as a bunch of pastors in our community is that um, we, we learned that there's great power in setting the bar low. Like my whole life, people said, good leaders set the bar high. That's probably true in little small teams. But if you want to start a movement, what I've learned is that the key is to set the bar so low that people can't crawl underneath it. By the way, that's what we're doing here today. <laughs> this is just week one of the sermon series. I don't know. Maybe some of these other guys are going to get to like actually loving your neighbor. I don't want to talk about that today. Okay, that's like Jesus stuff. Okay, I want to talk about... Like, would you just be willing to learn, would you make a commitment to just say, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to learn and retain and use the names of the people that live closest to me. That's all I want to ask you this morning. Would you just be willing to do that? 
Now, I'll be honest, it's a Trojan horse that gets you to do all kinds of other stuff. Like, this is a lot like stepping onto a moving sidewalk. And, and that's what happened to me, is I, I started to learn, retain, and use their names. And then, for some of them, it, it just kept going. And I'd love to tell you, it's just really easy, and you just learn their names, and you become best friends. But it's not like that. It's really messy. It's hard. Some of my neighbors are, like, super needy. I hope that they don't ever watch this online or that it doesn't get put up. I mean, they are. They're, like, really needy. And some of them are messy, and some of them have, like, gifts and skills and interests and things that I know nothing about. And some of them I've learned, like, there is this kind of, like, awkward stage where if you push through that, you end up, like, filling in gaps. Like, I... I don't have to, like, go to the auto parts store anymore and buy something and then, like, make the person come out and, like, change my headlight in front of me, for me. I have, like, a neighbor who, like, drives me there and shows me what to do, and he does my headlight for me. Um, <laughs> I, I've just learned there's something really sacred about proximity-based relationships. And all throughout the Old and New Testament, there's this, there's this thick theology of place that I think because of technology and the pace of our lives and how transient everybody is, I think that a lot of us have lost that. In Acts, uh, there's this incredible passage. Paul is in Athens, and he's been asked to, to share about who is this God that you follow, and he gives like one of the all-time great sermons about the nature of God. It's found in Acts 17. One of the things that he says is he says, from one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he, so God determined the time set for them in the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Let me summarize this text for you. God has placed us in our specific neighborhoods for a reason. You don't live where you live for the reason you think you do. It's not because it's the floor plan that you always dreamed about. It's not because you can't afford the, your, the place that you really want. It's not because of the school district. You live where you live because God has placed you there and he's placed the people around you there as well. And if, if you let this sink in, it'll change the way you drive in and out of your home, of your apartment complex, of your rent, wherever you live. If you, if you allow this to sink in, you'll start to realize, like I have, there's something sacred happening right outside my front door. And, and for me, like, it's been like, for those of you that have kids, I, my kids aren't easy. Maybe yours are really easy, okay? But I don't ever want to go back. I don't ever want to go back. And that's, that's how I feel about becoming a part of the fabric of, of what's happening right outside my front door is like, it's not easy, but it's also just beautiful and powerful at the same time. And God has, like, used this simple practice in my life um, to, like, rejuvenate my heart to be around people who don't yet have faith. Like, if you start to actually build proximity-based relationships, you're guaranteeing that you're going to be hanging out with people who think about the world differently than you do. Like, I actually think in our, like, crazy polarized world, like, this is the heart of God. It's for people who view things differently whether it's their faith lives, whether it's politics, but for people who view things differently to still be connected, to be friends with one another. And that's, 
part of the beautiful thing that I've experienced um, by, by doing this, by engaging in this. And when you start doing the math on this, it gets real interesting. So there's about 500 households that call Third City home. And if you, and you guys are going to be talking about this for the next month here, but if, if each person, if each household at Third City takes this on and says, you know what, I'm, just, I'm willing to learn and retain and use the names of the people, okay, that means that, that 4, 000, of, of the eight people, that means that 4,000 households in this community are going to be touched by this one single church. And let's just guess low and say that there's three people in each of those households. That's 12,000 human beings, that are impacted because the people at this church say, you know what, I'm willing to go back to kindergarten. I'm willing to go back to the basics and just draw a circle around the place that I am and begin to work out from there. And so as you leave here today, you're going to get handed one of these, and it's your choice what you'd like to do with it. Uh, But my prayer is that you would use it as a tool, like what happened to me, that it would just be a simple tool this for me, like I, I've got some weird competitive issues, so this was like a this was a little scorecard for me. So if you need that to motivate you, go ahead and do that. If you're like actually like a healthy human being, um, you should just do this. You should just do this because Jesus says if you only do one thing, you should love God with everything you have, and love your neighbor. And I guarantee you, if you're willing to lean into that. I'm excited to hear this story. Every, every time like this happened in our city and then we shared this other, the stories just start coming out of the woodworks. And by the way, there's like 10% of you in this room. You just do this uh, like who you are. And I just want you to know you've been doing ministry way more than you think you have. Um, and for the rest of us, the ones maybe you're like me and it was just something that got squeezed out because of how busy you are. Um, I, I just want to invite you um, I'm just going to be praying for you to start taking the small steps with the people that God has placed around you. And all that other stuff we're up to, I want to be really clear, the stuff that happens overseas, the stuff, that, the relationships that you're building with people at work, the relationships with the, the parents on your kids or grandkids, sports teams, I want to be, all of that count. Like in Jesus' economy, that's loving your neighbor. Like, keep leaning into that. But here's the deal. All of that doesn't somehow sprinkle magic fairy dust around our neighborhoods and, and, and our actual neighbors. And then Jesus wasn't talking about them. And somehow, as a pastor, I drifted into thinking that was true. I didn't, like, say it out. Once you say it out loud, you realize how dumb that is. But, like, you, if you, like, just what if Jesus meant, when he said to love your neighbor, what if he meant your actual neighbors too? And so I'm excited to see what God does here. And I just want to pray for you and pray for an expectancy of what he is going to do. So, Father, for each person in this room, Lord, I just pray that you would give them the courage to lean into mildly awkward moments. God, I pray that you would just give them eyes to see what you've been up to and what you are up to right outside their front doors. In your name, amen. I was, uh, it, just, it just hit me, uh, the first service that we did this, um, how God, he said, I'm going to cross the proverbial street and I'm going to go love my neighbor. And he sent Jesus and Jesus came to give us, to give us everything. 
this God who loves us that way. And then, of course, the Jesus who taught us, as Dave so eloquently put it, how to love others by just being a good neighbor. And what a challenge. I, I, let's, do you appreciate Dave, by the way, coming out from Colorado? Yeah, sure. Anybody that'll leave Colorado to come to Nebraska, that's a pretty good guy, so. Uh, but uh, I just want to challenge you. You're know, gonna be in this series for the next month. Uh, be here, be present, uh, learn. Uh, get out your tic-tac-toe board and start filling it out. I did it backstage and uh, I realized I got some gaps. So I'm gonna work on this. I'm gonna fill out my board. I'm gonna go out in the front yard a little bit more. Find some ways to bridge some gaps that exist and see where God takes it. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org, call us at 308-384-5038, or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.